gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Today, we are going to talk about can your dog play with toys and still be a trained hunting dog? In the training tip, we're going to talk about how to teach your puppy to sit. And in our hunting tip, we're going to talk about setting up your decoy spread when you have the wrong wind. So that will be a great show today. I hope you guys enjoy it. Please stay tuned and we will cover these topics throughout the show. So first, we're going to talk about something that I actually get a lot of questions on and that is... My dog likes to play with toys, but I've been told that I should not have toys, in in this question especially, toys with squeakers for my dog. That there's a concern that somehow this will cause the dog to become hard-mouthed, play, tug-of-war, all of that good stuff that you can't have that with your dog. Essentially saying you separate your dog from being a play dog to only a hunting dog. So let's cover that topic. My opinion on it, and the way I raise my own dogs, is that they have toys everywhere. We actually uh, will say that it looks like we're running a a daycare at times uh, when the dogs are very excited and running around like they are now, if you can hear them in the background. Whenever I talk on a podcast, on the phone, or on a Facebook Live, my dogs get very active. They're just like my kids were when they were young, toddlers. Uh, But we call our living room the Island of Misfit Toys because there are so many destroyed toys in the living room that it is just, it's carnage, toy carnage. You don't want to be a toy in my house. We have five labs in the house. So it is a rough home to be a toy in. I don't worry about that one bit. I also play tug of war with my dogs, with their toys. I don't worry about that at all. Because ultimately, when I am doing my training, I am separating things out from a play to when we're actually doing stuff that I'm demanding or uh, expectations I have for the dog. And they understand that. I will say that I do not play with bumpers. I do not play with birds. So we don't do a tug of war with bumpers or a tug of war with with birds or our dock and retrievers, uh, deadfall retrievers. I try to keep it so that we are separated between what we play with and then separated with what we train with so that we're not giving, I guess, cross signals to the dog. Uh, As far as uh, using training, uh, training products, I will sometimes use balls to get dogs to retrieve if you're going through your force fetch trained retrieve and the dog gets really soured on bumpers, I'll actually take dog toys and try to encourage the dog to retrieve 
and incorporate that into my training and then remove it once I have the dogs uh, retrieving a different item. So if I have a dog that's bumper sour, which bumper sour in my opinion, in, in my definition is you have a dog that you're working with on your hold command, on your fetch command, and the dog, when you throw the bumper out, flies out to the bumper, looks at it and goes, no, I'm not picking it up. This is something that is common in training. So I will actually take a ball that the dog likes to play with and I'll throw the ball for the dog. The dog will go pick it up. And then after about 10 throws of the ball, the dog's amped up, I throw the bumper. Usually the dog will go out, look around and go, this is so much fun. I'm having fun. I'm picking it up. I'm using a ton of positive reinforcement. I'm not working on any obedience at this point. I'm just trying to get them to pick the item up and bring it back to me so that I can let them know, hey, when you pick this up, it is fun. It's kind of a break in that training. You have to walk that line between having it be all training and then having it be some fun as well. So I bridge it that way, but I never have bumpers where I'm playing with them in the house and playing tug of war with them. It is always funny because my dogs will go outside. They like to run around. They invariably always will find a bumper somewhere. I usually have them up on my dog trailer and they will be running around the yard playing king of the bumper, which means that one person has the bumper and everyone else chases that dog. It's always, it's funny because you will have where maybe they all have bumpers. Two of them will drop their bumpers and chase the one dog because that bumper is so much more cool, even though they're the same thing. They just enjoy chasing each other. But I don't allow that where I'm playing with them. If they want to uh, run around with a bumper in their mouth and and... and compete over it when they're through their training. I don't have a problem with that. The dogs are just having fun. But again, as far as having dog toys, toys with squeakers in them, if you are doing your training properly, this should not be an issue. If it would become an issue uh, during your training, you can always remove that. But yet again, I have yet to see this with any of my dogs in my 20 years. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen. But you could remove toys from the equation if you were having an issue. Training comes down to mouth control, which is force fetch or trained retrieve. All dogs need to go through this. Contrary to what some people are now saying, you need to put them through it because that is teaching the dog their mouth obedience for a better explanation. You're going to put them through this. They are going to uh, be successful with it after about six weeks to the point where you can tell them to fetch a bumper, fetch a block of wood, fetch a bird. They will pick it up and they will hold it until you command drop. That is what needs to be done. And if you're doing that, the dog will understand the difference in training as opposed to when you're on the couch and you are playing with your dog and enjoying them as a pet. Remember, training is something that we do for 15 to 30 minutes per day, depending on session length and amount of sessions. And the rest of the time, let the dog be a dog. We don't want to get to the point where we're doing four to six hours of training always with the dog, where that is all they're doing, because you will get a poor attitude with that dog and they will really struggle in their training because you're not making things fun. So let the dog be a dog. I know there's other wives' tales out there that hunting dogs can't be in the house because it ruins their nose. Hunting dogs shouldn't be allowed on furniture or in the bed because that ruins them. I will tell you, my dogs play with toys. My dogs are in the house. My dogs sleep in bed with me. It comes down to your training program 
having expectations of your dog and then reinforcing that through your e-collar work and your voice inflection, etc. Try to be 10% to 20% in your negative reinforcement, 80 to 90% your positive reinforcement. You're going to have a happy dog that is going to listen really well for you and perform in the field. So that will take care of this topic. Next, we're going to talk about how to teach that puppy to sit. Coming up right after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Recently, one of our fans on Sporting Dog Adventures had asked if we could do more puppy tips. So throughout the next couple of weeks to months, I'm going to throw in some puppy tips that I use that are very simple. Today, we're going to talk about how to teach your puppy to sit. Now, puppies are bundles of joy. They run around. They look like yard sales when they're running. Ears are flopping. Legs are flying everywhere. And we can use this to our advantage. What I will do is I do use treats on a young puppy to teach them things. I know there are people out there that say you shouldn't. I use it until they understand the command and are through the commands that I'm teaching with treats. And then I slowly replace treats with praise as their reward. What I use for treats is actually just their food. Many dog treats are not good for the dog. They're highly caloric and they are basically the same thing as giving your child a Snickers bar. We don't want to give our child eight Snickers bars a day. That could cause obesity. That can also cause a lot of other behavioral issues. Same thing with dogs. Three milk bones, which is something that I commonly gave my dogs when I was young. Three milk bones is the same caloric equivalent as one cup of food. So when you look at people that are feeding treats like milk bones, they will give dogs 10 to 20 a day. Then they don't understand why their dogs are overweight. Well, you're basically giving the dog a bunch of Snickers bars through the day and it is going to add those calories that the dog can't burn off unless you were to remove their food, which then you're not giving them a balanced meal and it's not healthy for them. I use the dog's kibble as treats. So I will have a measured amount of dog food that I'm going to use for a day. Let's say one cup of food for a young puppy. I will just take several pieces of that kibble and I will use that as my treat and reward. Dogs don't care. They love food, especially labs. They love food. You give them a piece of kibble, it's the same as, a, as, as any other treat because they are very food motivated. So what I will do is the puppy will be there. I will have a piece of food in my, uh, my hand, usually between my thumb and my pointer finger. I will give them the food out of my hand, try not to have the little alligator take my fingers off, and let them eat the food. They now understand that my two fingers, when they're in that position, is the magic treat form. I next will take another piece of food. I'll let them see it. I will not let them eat it. I will hold it over the top of the puppy so they're looking up at it. I'll slowly walk it back on a straight direction back over toward their butt. Puppies are, again, awkward. They're like little yard sales when they run. The puppy will follow this with his head, lean back, and eventually, at a point, fall back onto their haunches. The minute that they fall back onto their haunches and hit their butt, I will tell them, sit, good dog, and give them the piece of food. 
Again, I will repeat this over and over until you will have the point where the puppy understands what sit is. It does not take long, a few days. And then you will have this puppy that is constantly coming up and sitting right next to you because they want that treat. So this is something that works great for teaching them sit. Again, after they understand the command, after a few weeks, maybe even a month, because I'm starting with a seven to eight week old puppy, I will eventually transition to where I'm telling them good dog and loving on them once they sit. But until then, I use their stomach to help me in the training process. I hope that training tip helps. Keep the questions coming. We really enjoy having them and using them on our podcast. Next, we're going to talk about setting up when the wind is against you with your decoys on a waterfall hunt after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. On this part of the show, I thought we'd talk about a hunting tip. I have a pond that we are going to hunt this upcoming weekend. We've hunted it before. For whatever reason, the birds are... There's not a lot of birds in the area, but they just want to be in this one pond. So we are going to hunt the pond when we have the wrong wind. The wind is going to be coming over our right shoulder if we're facing out. And the birds on this particular spot like to loop in right over the top of the blind and they will finish about 30 yards out. Instead of setting my decoys up facing me in the classic U-shape, I'm going to do something that is going to be almost like a backwards broken U so that the birds are setting in as they come right over the top of us. I've done this before. If you have a small enough area and you can get the birds to finish, it actually works out really well because they're not looking at you when they come in. They're going to see the back of the blind, which is camouflaged. But they are going to come into this one spot that they are comfortable coming into. They've been hitting it for probably six weeks. And they're going to set up and land so that they are perfect for us uh, for when we take them. Now, the one issue I will have on this is explaining to my kids and my son's girlfriend, do not shoot the decoys. I'm probably going to do a broken U so that the area that hopefully the birds are finishing on leads to an open uh, spot in the decoys that won't get shot. Uh, it's going to be interesting on that. Um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to use uh, the classic spinning wing decoy or a uh, flicker type decoy uh, for, for movement. And I likely will have shakers and a swimmer out there. Again, it's going to be an interesting look. It's going to be different than what I have set up in the past hunting this spot. But with only two days where my crew is going to be up there, I'm going to set up basically backwards and bring the birds right over the top of us so that we are able to still hunt the spot that has the birds there and hunt them when we have the wrong wind. I know a lot of people would say set up in a different spot. I can't just because of cover and how this is how the uh, birds work, uh, this one area. It pretty much has low cover on one side of the water and the higher, taller cattails on the other. I guess in future, it would probably behoove me to set up a spot on the other side, but that's next year. 
This is this year. So we are going to set up so that the birds are basically finishing about 25 to 35 yards or 25 to 30 yards out from us and fluttering right over the top. I really think this is going to work. And I thought this was an interesting thing to talk about because people will always talk about decoy spreads and everyone is always assuming that the wind is perfect. So I hope that helps. I hope you guys have a great season. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.